0: Hey everybody, welcome to the DC3Cast New 52 in review number one. I don't know if that's what we're actually calling this, but that's what we're calling it for tonight. Uh, in a little bit, you're going to hear Zach and I talk to Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder about their run on Batman. But before that, we have um, one of our good pals from Multiversity, Mr. Ken Godbrison the Third. Who is joining us from Long Island tonight to talk a little bit about Gotham Academy? Uh, we also have, as always, Vincent Zach on the line. And so, um, Ken, why don't you give us just sort of the the briefest sketch of what it is about Gotham Academy that you love?
1: Well, yeah. You know, for anyone who does follow my work on the uh, on the site, I have a, a great fondness for the uh, for the young adult. And uh, teen superheroes in the DC universe, and over the last five years, they have not exactly been great. Um, what really struck me with Gotham Academy is that, unlike every other young justice level book, this was a book that I actually felt like they were, you know, teenagers and young adults that they got that they had a chance to be that, and the The material was always tailored for that level of reader. It was never like Teen Titans where just the art and just the subject material was just like, why would you ever give this to a young adult ever? But with Gotham Academy, I got a feeling for all the characters and I was given reasons to care about them in only 12 issues. Because I, I reread the first 12 issues because it's, essentially
0: one story the first two trade paperbacks mm-hmm. um are uh vince and zach are you guys current on the book because i'm i'm still a few inches behind yeah
2: i
3: am yep
0: i'm i'm not uh it's one of those books at least for me that whenever i read it i really really enjoy it but i tend to binge read it i tend to let a few months go by and then i sort of plow through them um
1: that that is a better way for i think that is a better way for it especially considering this book does amazing in trade mm-hmm. like that book i'm seeing it constantly being sold at my uh my local comic shop i i work at a library we've got about 3 copies of the book and they are always being checked out
0: oh that's awesome to hear yeah um, um. Let's actually delve into that for a second. Uh, there were there have been a couple of books of recent note in DC, specifically uh, Midnighter and Doctor Fate and Martian Manhunter and Gotham Academy, that have all been either accurately judged to do better in trade or to be presumed to do better in trade. Do you guys think there's like one sort of quality that unites all those books that makes it particularly good to follow in in bigger chunks?
2: I think it's probably maybe the the lower awareness level but the high critical praise so people are less likely to check it out initially but then once you know they can get a number of issues at a time and get a full story they're more likely to go check it out kind of the image effect almost
1: Mm -hmm. yeah um i also think um this isn't necessarily a universal with these uh lower-selling but higher critically acclaimed books, is they radiate confidence. They know what they want to be, and they're going to do it. Martian Manhunter knows what it wanted it to be. Midnighter knew what it wanted it to be, and it just did it.
0: That's actually yeah. a, a really great point, Ken.
1: Yeah, that is. I never thought about it like that,
3: but but that's. I think that's true. And I think also, like it goes to show what can happen when you allow a book to do that. You yeah. know,
1: I think one of the big problems with, um, you know, you can make the argument that, well, well, the books in DC, uh, re, um, not DC rebirth, um, in the DCU, they didn't sell. So what are you going to do? I'm like, these are not books that the co- the mar- the, um, the audience for these books are not, you know, weekly comic rats. They don't, Go in every Wednesday to the shop to pick up singles, they go to bookstores, they go online, they get off Amazon. Mm-hmm. And because of that, these books, they they didn't even wait till the first trade was out before oh, oh well it's what do you want from us? We they're not selling. But just the first trades of like Midnighter and Constantine and I don't even know. Is the Martian Manhunter first trade out yet? It is,
0: yes. I don't even know. I think it just came out, yeah.
1: They just came out. You're not giving them enough time. They expect these books to do Batman numbers, and when they don't, when they don't have time to find an audience, they just fail.
3: Yeah. I think, weren't we talking about this last week, guys? We're like, like, we can't believe how bad Marvel and DC's trade consistency or policy is mm-hmm. like you know, how are they not how are they not like regularly releasing a trade like every five issues or six issues on the day that the sixth issue comes out? you know like
1: they're the, these are the big two how are they not doing that because <laughs> mm-hmm. they are i i think it's because they're so ingrained with comic shops
3: yeah i guess i, I...
0: But here's the it, thing. So, I'm, but I'm, you would think that helps. You would think that would help, though. Well, exactly. You know, a but buddy they don't of want mine to piss them off. But okay, so a buddy of mine is the owner and operator of my local comic shop and he tells me that the reason that Image Comics sells so well is because they have that 999 initial trade for every book yeah. and that always comes out the day the 6th issue comes out. Like Vince just said. And he will all the time put the, whatever the new image trade is next to the register, and inevitably yeah. someone asks him about it. He goes, "Oh, it's great. Check it out. And if you like this, come back tomorrow and get the sixth issue. Just came out." And he said that works, you know, more often than it doesn't. the The nine ninety nine price point, when you think about it, isn't that steep of a discount. If you, if you buy an, if you buy a book in trade, you're paying you know nine ninety nine plus tax. If you're buying it in singles, you're paying around fifteen dollars. I guess. But uh, to me, if you sell a book and trade and it it's good enough, they're going to pick up singles next time. It's just, it's a really smart business plan, and for whatever reason DC and Marvel have not embraced it. Um, oh.
1: But, yeah, we're getting away from the yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> topic. As and we anyway, are want that, to do, yes. That was the uh, comic distribution podcast. Yes. We hope you enjoyed it. But, um, okay, so, um, I guess... I guess since, as uh, Vince, you're the one most caught up with it. Who is your favorite character in the book? Oh, I, I, I think it may be the same as mine. Oh, I love maps. I, yep. I, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: How I can mean, you I not love, love maps? Oh my god!
3: Like, yeah, maps is the best. I mean, um, I I love the uh, sort of dreamer aspect. You know, that's the type of character that DC needs more of. You know obviously in in spades, I think
1: and now, re- rereading the book though, you know maps may seem like very imaginative, and she may seem very um i don't want to say out of it, but um <laughs> kind of uh, doesn't seem to pay attention. I really think she is way more attentive than she puts on. I feel like she does very sense like a lot of the trouble going on with Olive and her brother and stuff like that. Oh but sure! She doesn't want to cause them to worry more. Yeah, it's yeah. Very little things, which is another great thing about this book, is that there. Carl Herschel does a great job of s- sewing plot points in visually. Like, yes, I, I was reading the first, um, the first issue. It has in the background as Olive and her roommate are talking it has a poster for that movie that uh, Simon Trent and uh, Basil Carlo were in. And that would like about 10 issues later that comes back into effect. Yeah. (laughs) I I love, again, it's instilling confidence and having a long-term plan.
3: Yeah. 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 And, 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 and sort of having things built in there that you'll notice when you go back and, read it or when you read it in trade you know
1: and yeah and, mm-hmm. and apart from visually there's also a lot of, of of dialogue that does hint at some things that haven't been revealed yet but uh-huh. with a certain character they've been seeding something with for a while um, with uh, with Colton yeah the, uh, the resident troublemaker they've been seeding something that I really really hope pays off in in uh, second semester
2: so, I have a question then sure. for, I guess, the two of you, as someone who's not caught up. Um, I know the recent yearbook story arc caught a little bit of flack when it was first announced because it um, was changing the book over to kind of more like an anthology format yeah. and derailing the momentum. What, what were your takes on that?
1: Well, I actually, I reviewed the first issue of a yearbook for the site. I think I gave it a seven. Um, It left me very conflicted because this felt like, oh, well, the series is ending, so let's just have some fun and do a little anthology because I remember that's how Young Avengers ended. Yeah, Gillen McKelvey, Young Uh Avengers. uh Its last two issues were um, essentially anthologies. It was actually kind of like their phonogram, the Singles Club joint which you should read. It is very good. Um, And it, I feel like a book this young to switch from this kind of long-form storytelling to an anthology, one, it makes people nervous that the book's coming to an end, and two, doesn't feel earned. Like, if this book had been going for, like, four or five years and thought, hey, why not for a for an arc, we'll do anthologies. I feel like, okay, that's earned. Because, yeah. you know, and then it was announced that um, Gotham Academy would be returning in the fall. And they instilled more confidence in me, not full confidence, because I'm like, yeah, well, we were supposed to get a Speed Force book and a Kid Flash book before Flashpoint happened, and look what happened there. <laughs> I will never get over that, by the way. Um. So even even every tweet Brendan Fletcher does, I'm still kind of nervous until I see a solicit for it. Yeah. But yeah, this, this last arc, it's not bad. There's some fun stories, and having them say that it's coming back does make me feel a little, little bit happier, even if I'm not 100% convinced. That said, I was talking about this on Twitter um, a couple of days ago. They really should have announced um, second semester at that Rebirth panel.
0: I don't know why they didn't. Yeah.
1: I don't know either, but it was like I was saying, you know what? Yes, I get Dedio's logic about it technically not being part of Rebirth,
3: but it's dumb.
1: <laughs> but it's a stupid reason because all the eyes were on that live stream. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that'll read a press release announcing the book is a fraction compared to. That stage that you had. Especially yep. because they,
0: they gave yeah. they gave ample time to Justice League number 50, which is not part of Rebirth. Yeah.
2: Well, and also, I, why exactly did they say it's not part of Rebirth? Because it was like in that initial. No, it wasn't in the initial.
1: Yes,
2: it was. Yes, it was.
1: It and Earth 2 right. were both
2: right. and in so, that list, but right. neither and of them. So it's like books well, that, like uh, Harley Quinn and things like that, that aren't technically you know that's not
1: changing at all exactly writers or the artists are not changing on harley quinn
2: exactly and so it doesn't really make sense why why they would say that um gotham academy is not part of that
3: yeah you know i i think this is this is what i think and i still think it's a bad idea but it 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 would not surprise me if i i don't know you guys, I don't know if you've read or heard about the, the Harley Quinn Suicide Squad uh, April Fool's thing that came out today. I did not. There's, there's a couple big, because it's partially written by Rob Williams, there's a couple big, like, Rebirth teasers in it. Oh, okay. And so it wouldn't surprise me if, even though the creative teams aren't changing, I mean, we know that the new Batman Beyond is going to be Terry McGinnis again. Right. And we know that... Uh, well, now that the April Fool's special came out, we know that there's a couple things that are going to happen to Harley Quinn, potentially, in her book.
0: And we know that, that all the Titans are going to look ten times stupider. So that are, like, what? Yep,
3: yep, oh my yep, God. Yep, 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 That are very much rebirth-related. And maybe it's this is dumb because there was an opportunity to freely publicize a book that, you know, I mean, it doesn't cost anything to say, hey, Goth- <laughs> wait, let me do my DiDio. It's oh, not yeah. as good as Brian's. The Gotham Academy's coming back. It's the second semester. Yeah. You know, I thought all
0: you guys hated school, but apparently you love it. And so we we'll are bring it back <laughs> Gotham Academy for a second semester.
1: I love it when it's either this mystical school in Gotham or when all the kids are trying to kill their teacher. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Those are the two scenarios that i like school. <laughs> yes, exactly. By the way, you should go check out Assassination Classroom. It's much better than- than that Teen Titans piece you're trying to look.
2: Well, I've, I've been thinking about doing it for Manga Club, but...
1: Do
2: it. Well, you already did that piece about it. I don't want to step on your toes. I don't care.
1: Do were, it again. Were,
2: were you the one that stole full, full Metal Alchemist from me, or was that someone else? No, that was Ken. I, I did. I
1: did. Oh, because, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did it because it was Full Metal Alchemist Day, and that thing is literally <laughs> my favorite thing in the medium.
0: No, no. No hard feelings. Um, I, I guess my... sort of, I guess the logical place... To go from this conversation, you know, we talked about some of our favorite characters and why it is we think that the book works kind of in broad strokes. Is there a particular issue of the book that any of you guys want to talk about as a particularly great issue of a comic?
1: I feel like me and Vince are going to have the same answer to this one, too.
0: <laughs> I, have a very, I have a very boring answer, but I think the first issue is like the stereotypical how a first issue of a new comic series should go.
2: I'll
0: oh, back you yeah. on that. I'll back you on that, yeah. Brian. I reread it today um, just because I hadn't read it since it first came out. And I was like, wow, they laid out so many things that are going to be revealed down the road. They set a perfect tone. They give you a couple of characters. They don't overwhelm you with 50 new characters. They give you a couple of characters to hold on to. It's funny. It's smart. It looks awesome. awesome. And at the end of the issue, I said, like, I don't know anybody first of all, I don't know anybody who reads it and doesn't like it. But second of all, I don't know how somebody could read that and not want to read the second issue then.
1: And the Mm -hmm. best thing about it is it's a one shot. It's technically a one shot. Yeah. It's not like like even Miss Marvel, like I Miss Marvel is fantastic. But that first arc was a five issue arc. And it you know, doing that, committing to that a five issue arc just Start for the origin. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm.
0: It's yeah. a lot of money, and but, it, and it's it's a lot of faith that your readership is going to go yeah. back to the store in a week or two.
1: And yeah, I mean, thank goodness it it succeeded massively, well deserved. But it could have failed just as easily. Like um, like as much as I loved it, but that's what happened with Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. with the all new Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes. I loved that series, but that was a long origin story
3: yeah yeah it was it was that's kind of that's kind of the same thing we were talking about Dr. Fate a few months back when we were talking about how the how DCU what what its successes and failures were Dr. Fate has felt like an origin story for like you know the first nine issues or whatever Jeez, and it just I doesn't I don't
1: eat Dr. Fate so I don't yeah I mean it's Love it Love it's makes my brain hurt <laughs> I first well, reread him trying to get into the Legion with the new Fifty Two, and if we're oh. going to talk about you know not introducing too many characters, that book <laughs> had twenty three named characters introduced in that first issue.
3: Yeah, and only one with a personality.
1: So there is only five good Legion
3: members, which
1: <laughs>
0: Zach is about to embark on, on a on a I'm, mammoth I'm, Legion reread.
2: I'm burning right now. Legion is my Legion. I, yes.
1: I love, what, thing. I love what the Legion could be, but apart from the five I I love.
2: Who are the five you love? Okay. This just, um, got, this just got real.
1: Um, <laughs> all right. All right well, no, take note, most of these characters come from the post-Zero Hour Legion. Mm-hmm. They are Brainiac Five. Yes. Uh, the Invisible Kid, Lyle Norg. Gates. Oh, shit. Um, um... Lightning Lass and um, Jenny Agmatz, Excess, uh, Bart Allen's cousin.
2: Okay, now see you're you're coming in. A, I mean i I know all of those characters, but most of them weren't a big part of the when I like really got hard into Legion, mm-hmm. which I was understand. like during the during like the. I mean, I came in late. I read the John stuff. And loved all of that, and then kind of went backwards from there. And actually, like this post zero hour is probably the era I've spent the least time, the least amount of time with. Um, I get it. Um, but but I mean, I'll I I read the whole pre New Fifty Two Levitts run, nice. and it wasn't always great, but I think the characters were the best part of it i i feel like that extended cast is just so underutilized
0: well, you know you want
2: to I- you want to you want to talk about like a good like untapped potential for like dc's young justice line and like the legion is just where it's at
1: well if we want to talk about um potential with the young justice line they should have just essentially took the young justice cartoon and make that what the new 52 that's what the new 52 yeah no justice generation should have been
2: you're right yeah no humans okay. here we're
1: once again getting off track <laughs> yes. uh, what's Vince, what I tried, what I tried to favorite... bring it around with the youth yeah. but <laughs> Vince what is your favorite Gotham Academy issue
3: um you know i <laughs> i i don't know if i'd be able to name it by number um but if if we if we might have the same one i think i'm going to let you uh, say it and cause you'll probably know the number and, uh, and I'll just say that I actually like those, um, those yearbook issues more than most people seem to, I think, because I can't believe some of the artists that they get to do those.
1: They Yeah. They've got some real talent. Yeah. Like, yeah
3: people that would never be on another DC book in a million years, you know, like, and will never be again and will never be again. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they, like they snuck that in past the Dio and, yeah. uh, and all of a sudden he's open. He's reading his comics. He's like, what, Hey, who are these, <laughs> you know, and, and am I in
0: a goddamn museum?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I just want to highlight how great the art talent has been on those books. But uh but Ken, what's your favorite issue? Because um I'm dead with numbers.
1: Uh it's issue number seven. It's the one where Maps and Damien team up. Yes! I <laughs> <laughs> yep. that's that's such an easy answer, but it's because it's so much fun. It's so adorable. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's even like you know what Damien? Like essentially one of the first things he did was chill a villain. <laughs> And that's never going to happen in this book, but it does show how far he has come. Mm-hmm. That you know, back then Damien would never be able to tolerate maps.
3: <laughs>
1: he had a fun thing going
3: on with Stephanie Brown before the, the yeah when Flashpoint Bron- before when, uh,
1: yeah when Brian Miller was uh,
3: yeah mm-hmm. yep. But this is this is even more adorable. So
1: yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of ship them. They're adorable.
0: <laughs> I uh I'm really curious to see post rebirth how like one of the things I enjoyed about the, the series was the the slight connections to the bat books. Like it wasn't some books try and beat you over the head with the connected universe, and I feel like Gotham Academy didn't do that. Aside from the Damien team up there isn't too much that really connects it to the greater DCU. And I mean that as a compliment, you don't, you don't have to be reading 10 books to get into it. And I wonder if they're going to double down on that idea or if they're going to try and connect it more post rebirth.
1: I hope it just retains the same level it has right now. Yeah. Really? That is one of its biggest strengths. It, you don't need to read any other book. Um, the, only time where that fell through was that Robin War tie-in, which was the worst issue of the series. <laughs> it, it really was. I I did not like that issue. Maybe it's because I I didn't read Robin War. I was kind of very you know just eh with uh, We Are Robin. I mean, the only one of those kids I knew was Duke, and Duke wasn't in this issue. But but it, yeah, it was just it was just standard tie-in. I wish they had gone the way they did with Endgame, where it was just the Gotham Academy special. Mm -hmm. Speaking of specials, (laughs) what we got coming in the summer, Gotham uh, Academy and Lumberjanes.
2: Yes, that's right. Wait, I keep forgetting about about that.
1: Here's, okay, I know you guys are all excited. I never read Lumberjanes until this was announced. Yeah. Hold on one second. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of a cough. Um, I never read Lumber and Janes until this was announced, so I um I got it out from the library and I started reading it. I'm kind of not super in love with it. Mm. Okay, here's where okay, here's the difference. All right.
0: I'll go back and I'll bleep out where you're from, so that Vince can't come hunt you down later. <laughs> yeah,
1: why did you tell everybody where I'm from? They're gonna kill me for my, my terrible reviews now.
0: I didn't um, give a town. I gave I gave a, a an island. That's it.
1: This, town's, this island's not that big. Um,
0: hey, it's very long.
1: <laughs> um, Ellis Island. Yes. Um.
0: He's a run off of the boat. Uh. <laughs>
1: Okay, the difference... Okay, and this is kind of... um, It's another strength to uh, Gotham Academy that I love. Gotham Academy is very lighthearted, but it's also grounded. Like, there's very few what I call, like, acceptable breaks from reality. Mm -hmm. Like, where the art will suddenly go incredibly super, like, anime reaction. Yeah. And that happens in in Lumberjanes... Quite a lot. Yeah. I mean.
3: See, I love it. And it
1: does. I mean, I I love it in spurts. Uh huh. And that's kind of like I didn't hate Lumberjanes. I just I I liked it. I didn't. I wasn't in love with it like you know Vince and uh and Jessica are. <laughs> but I really was just reading it to get a feel for these characters going into the um into the crossover.
0: But I actually uh-huh. think that that's going to be a a boon to the crossover because you don't want to have two books that are exactly the same share a world oh, no. because then it's going to be super boring. So I think it's actually well, good that there's a tonal yeah. disconnect.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that's bad, it's just I do like a slight grounding. Even if it like I said Gotham Academy is a very lighthearted book, but it is grounded and it could even have some dark moments at times. Yeah. Like it one of the underlying themes about Gotham Academy, especially this first year was um Kind of mental health. And how, you know, Batman, he'll beat up criminals and put them in Arkham, but that doesn't really help. Not really. Right. Like this whole stuff with Calamity.
0: Yeah, there's the sort of the idea of it helping overall. the It helps Gotham City overall temporarily, but it doesn't help yeah. the people affected on either no, side. it doesn't. Whether it's the criminal or the victim, it doesn't really help those people. Yeah, because
1: even you even had a uh, killer croc
0: right in the yep. first
1: arc of the um of the book which just show, which just just goes shows how nerdy this creative team is because that <laughs> killer croc was straight out of the animated series uh-huh yeah
3: yeah and i hit him with a rock <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah almost best scene. got him <laughs> <Best scene. laughs> i uh yeah yeah and you know i think that's something um that is kind of a theme throughout the entire series, uh, kind of how much it borrows in, not borrows, but is inspired by the animated series, I think, in in the way that it blends the darkness and the light, you know, like, like by normal cartoon standards, Batman, the animated series was pretty dark. Yeah. But if you watch, if you rewatch it and remember it, like how many like light moments or funny moments yeah. or like hopeful moments there were,
1: definitely it's and, got. Yeah, I. It has. Um, if we're just talking about Batman the animated series in general, it's got one of the most lighthearted Batman scenes I've ever seen, and one of the darkest ones. <laughs> the lighthearted one was is actually my favorite Batman scene in, in anything in any medium at all was in um the Justice League Unlimited episode uh, epilogue. Oh, that's he, such a um, good episode. Where he stays with Ace while she's dying.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: That that's Batman to me. For all the for all the you know punching and the tele- and the um super smarts and stuff. That is Batman to me. That's I
2: I know we've talked about it, but the DC3 just needs to we need to do a a look at that animated universe because sometimes I think it's better it's even you know purer than than the comics. I was just All telling
0: somebody the other day about the Flash Appreciation Day episode and how that is to me how I want my superhero Flash comics. Substance.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it then, then had the darkest moment where the Joker tortured the shit out of Tim Drake.
2: Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: That moment is darker than anything Heath Ledger has done, did or. What's his face is ever going to do? Well, now wait
0: a minute, wait hey, a minute. Ken, why so serious? I uh, <laughs> oh my. I, I,
3: I hear Jared Leto is going to be pretty twisted. I heard he's going to show show a mirror up to reality that that says that maybe we're all jokers.
0: I don't know about you guys. I, I think Jared he's Leto is
1: a pretentious <laughs> shite. <Penn. laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: I think he's damaged, guys. I don't know. I've heard, I've heard he's pretty damaged. It's yeah. so
1: funny. I don't know you where know. I
0: read that. But. Yeah, I don't know where I read it either.
1: It's so funny. Mark Hamill plays the most deranged Joker, and he's the nicest, least pretentious actor out of all of them. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: He should give Jared Leto that 30-year-old sweater he keeps being photographed in. Have you guys seen that <laughs> Actually, meme?
1: Yeah. You know, we, can, we can even change it a little bit. He may even be the best live-action Joker, thanks to the Flash.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah, yep, that's true. Or cockback
0: I was just gonna say or beat yes. me to it, Vince. Damn it. <laughs> oh, you don't fuck with the Jedi Master, son. Alright, why don't we why don't we begin to wrap this up? Um well, this
3: isn't an all ages show anymore, despite us. No,
0: it it never was, guys. <laughs> it, never it never was. was. Oh, um yeah. So let's let let's all do this. Let's um because you know the part, the point of these episodes is to kind of shine a light on the best parts of the New Fifty Two. So um, let's just maybe leave the audience with uh, like one last pitch to go back and check out this book. Uh, for me, it's it's one of the. I, I think sometimes comics can get so far up their own asses that it's hard to pitch something that you can give to literally anyone. And, you know, I think the comics also sometimes gets obsessed with finding the comics version of blank. And when this was first announced, I think a lot of us thought, oh, this is DC trying to do the comics version of Harry Potter. You know, the sort of mystical academy and that sort of thing. But I think that it's just been such a breath of fresh air and it's been a comic that I've recommended to so many people because it is... To me, like the best at what comics can be. It's it's easy to get into. It has heart. It looks fucking gorgeous. We haven't talked enough about the art uh, on that um, book. Yeah.
1: Carl Kershaw is. Carl Kershaw's art is absolutely beautiful on it. Yeah. Like, like hearing him when he announced that he was leaving, my heart was broken. Yeah. Like it, I was just, I was just. Uh, murdered that day when he he posted that final pic of him hugging all the characters. Yeah, and yeah. Just like You know, part of me, part of me was hoping that he was leaving the book to get a head start on second semester. Mm-hmm. I would have been annoyed, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> but as we learned today at uh, the Image Expo, uh, uh, that's not happening. Um.
0: So Ken, me, what's your what's your sort of big takeaway here?
1: Okay. The big takeaway for me with this book is the characters. Like these characters, even like even like with characters we know a lot about with Olive, t- just to even like sad characters, every character has something interesting about them. Something that I want to learn more about. Something that makes me come back for another issue. And that's kind of what I hope with the uh, second semester. For as much as I love I like Olive, I really do hope like other... Other characters in that in that little detective group will take like the center stage for stories because I mean like uh, one through twelve essentially was Olive's story. Like they had a lot of interesting side plots, but that was essentially Olive's story for a whole year. So what I'm hoping for when it returns in the fall, not necessarily like a strict rotating, but the others get a bit more fleshing out as well. We have a lot of tastes, but now we need to go further in. And uh, one last um, one last thing for me about this because I have to mention it. Um, me and um, one of my best friends, um, Allison Berry, she um, of the uh, Comicosities Hangout. Plug plug. We talk about this book all the time. It is one of our favorite books at DC, and there's no merch. There's no merch for this book. Like, we, like, we, both of us are like, we would so totally buy a Gotham Academy blazer. (laughs) I would buy that thing. I,
3: I wonder why there's not, because there is literally shit tons of bombshells merchandise.
1: And you know what? I even tweeted this a while back, and I actually got a bit of flack for it. Archer and Armstrong of Valiant Comics has more physical merch than this book does. Yeah. Uh. And like some people said, well, you know what? They're structured different. But then, and I was like, all right, maybe it's so and maybe I don't know about everything behind the scenes. But then I thought about it for a second. Valiant is an independent company. DC's got the massive amount of cash of Warner Brothers behind it.
0: Not right? not not to get too deep here, but Valiant has uh, has far greater resources than you may realize. That, what, like that, some
1: secret Illuminati shit?
0: That that company is flush with money.
1: Oh, okay, never mind.
0: Um, absolutely flush with money. I, I I don't mean that as a negative at all. No. I, you know, but they they have they have uh, a very very solid uh, investor base. Let's put it that way.
1: Okay. All right, never mind. I I, I was mistaken.
0: No, but, but but your your I point mean, your points mostly, should... look, they, they don't have Warner Brothers money, right? Yeah. But but I do think that, you know, sort of maybe a, a bigger picture here is I think that for Valiant when Archer and Armstrong or Faith is is a success, there's only Which, ten, there's I mean... only you know 7 or 8 characters that are in the forefront at one time so that the the entire staff can get behind those characters when you think about it gotham academy even if it was a runaway hit still wouldn't be in the top 10 priority of warner brothers even of dc you know so so i I think part of it is just the the amount of support that the publishing house can give it is is just quite different
1: okay um but i agree with you there there should be merch
0: there should be merch yeah (laughs) um Uh, vince or zach what what do you guys want to want to say about the book
3: um, I just want to stress again that like, if 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 you want one pitch for like the new Fifty Two that everybody was down on, and, and why this book kind of rose above uh, most other things, it's because they they got away with like artistic choices and things like that that they would never do on any other book. So if you're complaining about like a DC House style or grim and grittiness or uh super high collars on everybody. <laughs> this is the book to get away from all that. You know, it doesn't look like anything else at DC, doesn't feel like anything else. It's just it it might as well not even be new 52. Like I feel like we're only talking about that for mechanical reasons that it you know happened to be a part of that 5-year period, you know. Mm-hmm. But it couldn't feel less like that. So there's no reason to not check it out. Even if you're averse to what's been going on at DC in recent years, that's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah.
2: I just, you know, I, I haven't read, I've probably read the least of it out of everyone. Um, just cause I'm, I'm super behind on everything, but instantly it, it grabbed me for how like fun and unique and, special it was and it's a book that i've recommended to numerous people um and i think it's great because it straddles that line between you know a a superhero and non-superhero book it has superhero elements obviously you know it, it exists in batman's universe but it is also more than that and i think that's really special um when when trying to capture the broadest audience possible.
0: I, I would I, th- I would think that if someone's a fan of our show and hasn't read Gotham Academy yet, we've sold them on it. So that's a good thing. Um, Ken, thank you for stopping by the show. Where can people find you on Twitter if they wanted to tweet at you about some of the stuff we talked about?
1: Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Goberson 3 I'm on Tumblr. It's uh, Ken 3 Garberson iii.tumblr.com and um you may be hearing me and vince doing some other stuff soon maybe <laughs> we're still working at the kinks on it but uh you may want to stick around multiversity's podcast section in the next coming months
0: that's a good enough uh, tease i think for uh <laughs> for everyone out there we actually <laughs> did, didn't we tease that last week too vince we,
3: yes, you did. I, I wasn't expecting you to do that either, but yeah, I I like the little bread. Cr- we are dropping bread cr- crumbs so far in the future that this might as well be uh you know, early issues of Gotham Academy. Oh,
0: well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> and uh we'll be back in 2 weeks with another DC New 52 in review. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Nap.
3: I am at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I.
2: And I'm at SirFox89.
0: And stay tuned right now for SirFox and I talking to Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder about their time on Batman. And we'll be back in a few weeks with another installment. So, uh, good night. Good night.
1: Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody.
0: Hey kids, do you like comics? Do you like in-depth interviews with your favorite creators and interesting discussion about the medium? Do you enjoy different accents? Then chances are you're really going to like Orbital in Conversation. It's the podcast of Orbital Comics in Central London where we bring you the best and the brightest in comics and we do it all with a bit of fun, a bit of style and a bit of panache. You can find us here on the Multiversity comics network every week So first of all uh, congratulations on the number 50 uh, our first question is we were we were talking this morning about how you guys are the only creative team to last from number one to number 50 of the new 52. you guys have made the long haul here and so sort of looking back on on your run how did how did where it end up? differ from where it started? What's the biggest change in your working relationship and in sort of the comic in general from 1 to 50?
5: Uh, I would, I would um, say from my end, you know, uh, this is Greg, is, is, uh, it's more of our relationship with each other and maybe the flexibility in the process that's changed. I mean, story arcs change over, you know, from one to the next. Um, to me, it's more le- more, much more about Scott and I. I mean the way we started was you know Scott wasn't very trusting of of uh, of my skills and um, and and wanted to control uh everything uh and and I had come from a place where I was completely trusted and given total control over everything uh pretty much and so you had these two guys who were used to total control now uh and and working from different uh different methods like Scott was accustomed to giving full direction. And and when, when I say that it's, it's all the dialogue, it's uh, all the story beats. And in, and in the first time he was actually trying to tell me, you know, where to put the camera and things like that, which I totally, I reject from everybody. So, um, so it started that way. Uh, And, um, and it came finally to a place where I still get all the dialogue. Um which uh is great. And um but and he'll give me the story beats as he sees them, as he says that's what he needs to, to do his end of the process. But but what has changed, it's no longer uh so rigid and, and it has to be this way. He'll give me what he sees, but he'll tell me if there's anything else that you think could be different or better, then just change it and, and you know, and the beats are just suggestions based on what I feel if you want to subtract or add, you know, whatever. So all the pacing and all that stuff and then all the direction, uh, he gives over to me, you know, and, and, and so in that way, uh, we, we truly are a working partnership um, And and to me, That that's our evolution, and that's the the only way it could have gone on as long as it had. If either of us had stuck to our guns and gone, listen, this is the way it is, son, or this is the way it is, you know, we wouldn't have lasted. We we would have disintegrated. I mean, we almost did right out of the gate. So uh, I'm most proud of the fact that we grew together not only on a professional level, Uh, of mutual trust with one singular goal, which is to produce the best comic book we can for the fan, is is that we we also uh, develop this strong friendship that, you know, if I never did another comic book starting tomorrow, that, you know, our friendship will endure forever, you know? Unless he does really something stupid, like sleeping (laughs) with my wife. I don't foresee anything like that happening.
4: (laughs) No, I couldn't agree more, man. My, for me, like the thing I'm proudest of still walking away from it is the fact that, I mean, you know, Greg has become my best friend, like, and I and I mean it sincerely, like, and I I mean it. I know it sounds hokey, but like, if it came down to trading what we've done on Batman, you know, in for, uh, if you had to pick between, like, our friendship or Batman, I would pick our friendship and erase what we did together on Batman at this point, because, you know, I turned to him for a lot of things. Uh, in life, when things get dark or when things are happy, that you know we don't talk about that stuff that often, you know and a lot, you know th- there' have been a lot of private a lot of private moments where you know we have leaned on each other, I've leaned on him for things that were real life you know <laughs> real life real life troubles, and uh having made a friend like that who makes me a better you know certainly a better creator by exponential leaps, but also a better person means a lot so you know, that's, that's looking back at the run, the thing I'm proudest of is I can, I look at their memories. Like I can look back and say, Oh, I remember when issue five, when we did that turning issue, that was the first time we stuck up to DC together as a team. And then I can look and say, okay, this part of, of, uh, of death of the family. This was a moment when I didn't know what Greg was doing because I, I gave him more room than I had, but look what he came back. It was like where I learned to trust better and all this kind of stuff, you know? So it, it sounds corny. I know it sounds sentimental, but it's really, it's, it's just true. So, you yeah.
2: know, Awesome. Hey guys, this is Zach. Um, so you had a lot of um, new contributions to the, to the Batman mythology over the course of your run. A lot of new characters and concepts like the Court of Owls and Harper and Duke. Is there uh, one creation that, you know, kind of holds that special place in your heart, the one you're most proud of? and uh, hope to see you go somewhere special in the future.
4: I don't know what you uh, think.
5: I'll, I'll, I'll go first, being there's quietness. Uh, is, <laughs> is, I, was just, I was just telling Scott, um, I, I've just started pricing artwork, you know, to, to release the public, uh, Jonathan, Danny, and I. And um, so, you know, when you, when you work on comics, uh, it's, it's an assembly line, so you don't really get time to stop, breathe, and you know soak in your work and assess it or or whatever you know what I mean? and so it's been a long time since we did the Court of Owls uh you know that was like four years ago uh or more and, and um so while I was going through pricing uh the pages you know it's like fresh eyes I'm looking at them like somebody else drew them at this point it's not even me anymore you know I mean and uh and then you look at it and 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 I and it realized I realized the impact that that story had I mean it I, I'm really proud of the Court of Owls. Um, yeah, some of you even said, I think that's, you know, you guys, that was your best work, you know, and, and that may or may not be true. Um, but uh, I personally, I, I think Court of Owls is, is like a defining uh, defining moment for us.
4: I think for in addition to the mythology, Court of Owls is, is kind of what I'm proudest of in terms of a creation. But in terms of an arc, I think, Zero Year is my favorite in terms of the, I think, I, you know, I honestly, I, I take it back. I can't pick because <laughs> it's hard because Court of Owls was like, I love those characters, but with Zero Year, I love the entire aesthetic of the book. And I love the entire project of it to create a Batman who's facing off with things that I'm afraid of for my kids, the way my father read me Batman when I was a kid or bought me Batman. And he made me less afraid of things that, that, Kind of plagued me in New York as a kid. You know, fears were different then. You had different sort of problems uh, in the city than you do now, where we're a much more national and global community. Uh, and for me, I think that that was the first story where I really expanded to this new idea that we were writing Batman in a very post nine eleven world in a personal way. And you know, then again, for like for Endgame has my favorite has my favorite sort of ending and death of Batman and Joker and Honestly, Super Heavy might even be my favorite overall because ultimately it was the biggest risk we took together. And I remember telling Greg and DC, like, this is probably the one where we're going to shed like half our readership, but I believe in it. It's about what Batman means to the real world. And it's about like, you know, it's about right now. And it's it's all these things that, that I, I, we have to try it. And Greg was incredibly supportive. And the fact that the fans kept the book basically where it's been, you know, over 100,000 all the way through just... Boggles my mind and has been, you know, it's been the best ride ever, you know? So that's why I can't pick. I know I'm like rambling about this one question, but I can't, I really can't pick because I like Cordoba, like I love those characters, but I have, I've had things I've loved more in our run since then. So, yeah.
0: I want to talk about Super Heavy for one second here. We, uh, you know, we only got nine or so issues of Jim Gordon as Batman. If that was going to be, let's say, a twenty-issue run, where would you guys have taken Jim as Batman next? Was there a was there a particular like classic Bat villain you think might fit well with him?
4: There were a lot. I will say this: like when it, D- DC actually pushed me to do another arc after this, when we were about halfway through um they were like can you you want to do it for another year because people turned out to they actually were responding well to it in batman and and i think they thought um there were I, there was a lot of story potential to be able to um have bruce go in different directions and jim go in different directions and i was pretty adamant that like i didn't want to stretch it like that but I had a lot of ideas. I wish there were a lot of times I wish I could have written two series about it. I wanted to do smaller. I felt like Batman would be the place where we did this big, over-the-top story that was very singular to why he was Batman and what challenges he faced uh, and what mistakes he had made in his thinking. And that everywhere else, like Detective Comics and Batgirl and a lot of the other places, would get to do smaller stories. And um, I got very jealous, I think, personally, of of that opportunity to do these small detective cases with Batman in a cop car. And all that stuff so I, I would love to go back and do it at some point but you know that door I think that door is closed now so maybe so maybe in an else world
2: um, so you guys created a pretty iconic look for Batman at the start of the new 52 with a new suit um, and then a pretty big surprise in the in number 50 is he gets a a new another new suit. Um, what were, what were some of the inspirations for that? And, um, what kind of what prompted you to even shake up the, the, the current suit?
5: Uh, well, you know, when, this is Greg. when I took over, you know, uh, I didn't have a, uh, a chance to design the suit, uh, Jim Lee had designed all the suits for the new 52 and they just handed me, a, you know, oh, yeah, style suit right. here's what it looks like. So, you know, I didn't have the, uh, luxury. I didn't have the, uh, you know, the good fortune being able to start fresh you know, on my own with my own vision. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do, though, uh, right off the bat, you know, another slight to Jim, uh, is I wanted to get rid of that plate armor kind of look that he had going where everything was kind of shiny and articulated plating. I, I, you know, so I really tried to tone that down and kind of give it a, a different look, more like, you know, Kev- Kevlar or something. Uh, and so th- that was goal one. And then, um, But now that I've had a chance to uh, design my own suit, uh, one of the things that you know excited me when Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns came out is, is the armor uh, that Bruce wore to fight uh, Superman, and that had that bull nose just flat, featureless. You know, and I've always kind of liked um, the Space Ghost. I guess is pointed out to me, hey, you know, it reminds me of Space Ghost, and so. I just embraced that now that I had a chance to do my own suit. So it's very featureless and it goes straight from the forehead down to the nose peak and, 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 and it's all flat black and uh, just goes from the canal right down into the big flared traps. And I decided it'd be cool if it was like light sorbing material, the, the cowl and the cape are flat black, so I don't have any like sheens, you know, on it, and and so that was like one of the first things that I wanted to do with the cowl, and then so I go from there. I wanted to kind of like give a little bit uh, nods to things that Scott and I have done before. So like in Zero Year, we had the purple gloves on Batman, so I go okay, I'll get the inside uh, lining of the cape uh, it, it purple, so and, and that'll look cool because you have yellow accents to complement that. So that'll work great, you know, from a color standpoint. And then, uh, so there was that. And then we have uh, uh, Super Heavy with Jim Gordon's uh, Under Armour, and he's got the uh, bat emblem on his chest, chest, which is outlined in in yellow. And I go, okay, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to simplify that shape, put that on, on uh, Batman's chest. That's his new emblem. And so we got the nod to super heavy. And, and that gave rise to uh, my thoughts on the, on the utility belt, which has never been anything other than the yellow belt. And I go, instead, I'm going to echo that emblem. I'm going to make a black belt with yellow piping around. So it's exactly echo the chest emblem. And, and I think the black uh, balances that figure now and is necessary there to be black we still get the L.O. Uh, the shout back to what's always been. And then, you know, you go, what do you, what do, you do when you design a character, right? Well, Spider-Man, you put webbing on him, right? You're trying to imitate things, aspects of the character and his name. And so with the belt, I tried to give it kind of a bat shape. Uh, so I angled the pouches in the front to kind of give the impression of fangs maybe and then sweep up toward the obliques to give the impression of bat wings and uh so that was the goal with that and that's it just less armor uh stealthy flat black with a bull nose, uh featureless and to give some callbacks to our earlier works
0: that's, you know, it's a, that's great
2: yeah, it's a really cool design absolutely
0: thanks i know you guys are super busy so i'm gonna i'm gonna bow us out right now i just want to say thank you guys for 50 amazing issues
5: oh thank, thank you, you so much